This should be played at high volume. Live and local. Let's go to Allen Life, man. This is Acadiana's number one sports station. 1037 The Game. It's Saturday, and you know what that means. Finally time for the world-famous CD to step to the mic for two straight hours of no-holds-barred sports talk. It's better than Desperate Housewives. Are you ready? You better get ready. Yeah! Yeah! Because Under the Dome with CD starts right now on 103.7 The Game. And welcome, everyone, to Under the Dome with CD right here on Acadiana's number one sports station, 103.7 The Game and 103.7. Hell, there we go. Want to have the mic kind of kind of freak out on me there, but hopefully you're enjoying yourself on this Louisiana Saturday morning. I know I am because I'm here with you inside the beautiful 103.7 The Game studios. Baby, we're looking good. Oh, you already know we're looking good, feeling good, and appreciate you listening in however you're doing, so be it through the 103.7 The Game mobile app, 103.7thegame.com, your favorite smart speakers, Amazon Alexa, Google Home, or even on that tower of power if you're driving around the highways and byways of Acadiana, on that tower of power that is 103.7 The Game. The tower of power. Too sweet to be sour, I'm funky like a monkey. Sky's the limit and space is the place. It's definitely a great one. And, and, you know, every day now that, you know, mobile sports betting is a thing, it's a beautiful day. It's an amazing day. Yes, it is cold as the dickens outside right about now, but, you know, we'll, we'll get through that cold spell. But the fact that we can actually bet online it's a really good thing. I'll just go ahead and leave it at that. Maybe there'll be more of a talking point later on in this hour. We got a couple guests. I'll give you the details about that in just a little bit after I get through my opening diatribe. And speaking of that, you're going to waste zero time and get to today's topic. What's causing all this on a Louisiana Saturday morning? It's time for your Saturday Sports Sermon. The famous CD is on his soapbox to start your Saturday. Who testified? It's time for your Saturday Sports Sermon. You got to think that this is going to be a weird weekend, but when you look at LSU basketball, it's been nothing but weird, especially the last couple of weeks. I sat there Tuesday night with the Tigers heading into the game were double-digit favorites, double-digit favorites, and they got outclassed from the word go. Yes, the final score was 76-72, but that was an absolute thrashing, and it was head-scratching to say the least because we go back a couple weeks ago, I remember LSU was in the middle of one of their best times, I think, in recent memory. They had just beaten Tennessee, a 20-ranked uh, team at that time, pretty highly touted. Then you play Florida, you beat them, and you head into a big Saturday afternoon contest against the Arkansas Razorbacks, a team that, honestly, you've had their number in the past. 
But you fast forward. You fast forward to now. And I I was blown away by this. They have Arkansas win that game. 65-58. Look like they outclassed them. Then, of course, Alabama, the typical ones. But then you kind of flip the script over to what's happened in the last four games. You lose to Tennessee, a team that you beat a while back. You lose to A&M in embarrassing fashion. No, you beat A&M. Excuse me. You beat A&M. Thank God. Because I think Will Wade might be on the hot seat if you lost to A&M, to be honest with you. And then you get to the SEC Big 12 Challenge. This is where I was... I wasn't necessarily too upset about that one. So LSU was a favorite in that one as well. And 68 points to 77 of TCU. The Horn Frogs got that win. And I'm like, okay, you know, the SEC Big 12 Challenge doesn't always work out that well. I think many LSU fans remember the Oklahoma game when Buddy Heald was Buddy Buckets and was putting up tons of numbers. And the more I think about Buddy Heald, the more I think about how much I dislike the fact that the Pelicans got rid of him all those years ago. But I digress. What I'm seeing with this LSU team is, and yes, there have been a lot of injuries. You you haven't had guys necessarily a 100%, but it's still a little bit concerning to me to see this team do what they're doing. I was flabbergasted to say the very least, to see what they did over the weekend, what what they're doing right now. And this weekend's game against Vanderbilt, if they fall there, it's going to be precipitous. Like, there is, I've talked about it before, the road to the SEC championship, SEC tournament, heading into that, it's, it's a lot easier. I don't know, I'm going to have to fix that in the break. But, Whenever you think about all this stuff going on, LSU has maybe one or two hurdles they're going to have to jump over. I think Arkansas, Alabama, and Kentucky are your big three. Those are your three big bugaboos. That's what you're going to have to deal with. But you got A&M, a team you beat. Mississippi State, I think you can beat them. I think you can beat them easily. Georgia. Georgia, you don't know what you're going to get out of Georgia that are a box of chocolates. South Kakalaka, I think that's a win. You've got a slightly easier road the rest of the way, and it starts tonight. This team hasn't looked the way I expected them to. Again, this team headed into SEC play with all the momentum. For the first time in God knows how long, I think it's going back to like the mid-2000s. That's how long it's been since we've seen an LSU team head into SEC play undefeated. They looked great. But fast forward to today, you're looking kind of in the middle of the pack right now. Four and five in SEC play. You've lost three of your last four contests, and it's not a great look. Three of four, I'd say, you know, you've lost, basically you've lost five of your last six games. If you're an LSU fan, you're probably scratching your head wondering how the hell did we get to this point? And it's a little bit more complicated than you see with other programs. This has been a lot due to injuries. This team has had a lot of kind of bumps in the road and guys missing a few games here and there. And at the end of the day, LSU is also playing, you know, against the creme de la creme. Some of the best competition 
in the country right now because the SEC is getting better. The, like, people don't realize LSU is currently ranked right now, but again, they're still in the middle of the pack because you've got Auburn leading the way, Kentucky, Ar- Arkansas has been a team that is getting so much underrated. They're getting no love. Currently on a heater, seven straight wins. You have Tennessee. Mississippi State's a little bit better than LSU, but at the end of the day, I think that's going to change before too long. I think you can beat Mississippi State, going back to that. But your top four teams are absolute monsters. I mean, Auburn is on... The heater of all heaters, 18 straight wins, and Bruce Pearl's not locked down for life as the head coach over there. This group is really, really good. Alabama has been a bugaboo for LSU over the last several years, not just on the football field, but on the hardwood as well, especially since they changed head coaches. Nate Oates has done a great job with that program. Arkansas, Eric Musselman, former LSU assistant, I think should have probably been a strong consideration to be the next head coach at LSU if they didn't hire Will Wade. That's something that I sat there and I'm seeing that statement of what I said a while back. I remember saying it, that Eric Musselman, that hire was going to be huge for that program. And a couple weeks ago when I had my guy, John Neighbors, no, Curtis Wilkerson, had him on the program a few weeks ago. And we talked about that game. And we both agreed that there was probably a really good shot that the LSU Tigers were going to lose that game. Look what happened. Arkansas has looked really good. And the fact they're not ranked right now with a 6-3 record in the SEC is a little damning. Again, they're 17-5 overall. It's not necessarily going to set the world on fire, but when LSU is 16-6 and they're probably going to be out of the polls next week, let Arkansas in. But it's the fact you've had players get injured. You've had a lot of key players not be able to play nearly as well as you want them to. I know Xavier Pinson has kind of had to step up a lot the last few games, but that alone doesn't speak to the fact that this team had been really good and had a really strong reputation heading into conference play on their defensive side. The defensive side of the football basketball was where they were best. Now, team just was absolutely falling apart. Dacian Ruffin was absolutely tearing LSU apart with 19 points on Tuesday night. Darius Days, 21. Everybody else, only two other players could get to double digits. Xavier Pinson didn't play a whole lot, only 16 minutes. He was limited. He's probably going to be a full go tonight, hopefully. And that's going to be a huge step in the right direction. You didn't have a whole lot of talent. But it's a very much a lot like what we've seen with the Louisiana Raging Cajuns. And we'll get to the Vermilion White in a few. It's very much top-heavy type cats. Guys that absolutely have, you know, tons of talent. But what does your bench depth look like? Does Alex Fudge, Moani Wilkinson, I think Moani Wilkinson and Sharif O'Neal, obviously those are solid names. And Eric Gaines is always going to be a deep cut in the bench. But how much, whenever you have the chips down, you have guys that are going to be out for a significant period of time, how much is that going to affect you? And it's clear to see that that's affecting this program right now, today. But I'm interested to see how it's all going to pan out. Especially, again, today is the day when LSU 
has an opportunity to flip the script, turn this bad boy around, and everything in between. Because this is like go this is going to be a huge, I mean huge deal for the purple and gold tonight when they take on the Vanderbilt Commodores. This isn't you playing Vandy baseball. This is you playing Vandy basketball. Vandy basketball has been a lot like their football team. Very, very mid. I think it's going to be a fun game tonight. And I think LSU does indeed win. Now, by how much? I don't know. Because this LSU team should have beaten Ole Miss in my mind. But they didn't. They fell apart in a big way, especially in the first half. It was looking like Ole Miss was going to boat race them. Yes, the score was a lot closer. But at the end of the day... That's not what happened. We saw this team absolutely tear them apart, up, down, and sideways. All right, it's Under the Dome with CD. You can call us up, 337-706-0111, Going to have Billy in body aboard at the bottom of the hour. We're going to get into LSU National Signing Day, a little recap of that. Maybe we'll talk some hoops as well. There's a lot of stuff to break down about what happened there on National Signing Day, who they missed out on, overall thoughts on this year's signing class, the first year for Brian Kelly. And I think more importantly, because there was some news that popped up yesterday about LSU basically allowing players to get a cut of the jersey sales going forward. That's going to be huge in the world of NIL. And I think LSU and Oklahoma are the only two that are doing it right now. And how much that could affect recruiting down the line if we don't see programs like in Alabama and A&M or even teams like Florida or a Texas Longhorns program, again, that's going to be joining the SEC on down the road. How much is that going to change things in the short term for recruiting? Because, again, it's inevitable we're going to see players get to be able to have the rights and get, get, get money from jersey sales with their name on the back of the jersey, which – Honestly, it's about damn time we got that. Because honestly, we probably would have sold hundreds on thousands of dollars of Joe Burrow EAUX jerseys if they did that. If they were allowed to sell it, that would have made LSU hundreds upon thousands of dollars, if not millions of dollars. Because they were wanting to buy those things left, right, and sideways the second he rocked that jersey for senior day. Again, just my opinion. Maybe we'll get to Joe Burrow a little bit in hour number two. But in the meantime and in between time, we'll take a quick timeout. And when we come back, we're going to get down to brass tacks about the Louisiana Raging Cajuns, talking about the Vermilion and White on the hardwood, and also thoughts on the recruiting class that Mike Desimo has put together. I think Coach Des did a pretty good job, all things considered. And we'll get to that next right here on 103.7 The Game at 1037thegame.com. The world-famous CD may be in his 30s, but he's still a kid at heart. <laughs> now, let's get back to a guy that has an unhealthy obsession with a number that offensive linemen wear with Under the Dome with the world-famous CD on 103.7 The Game, Acadiana's sports station. And welcome, everyone, back to Under the Dome with CD right here on 103.7 The Game 
and 1037thegame.com. Hopefully you're having a fantastic, dare I say, wonderful Saturday morning, almost Saturday afternoon. And we're getting that much closer to, man, Mardi Gras season, Mardi Gras day. Had some king cake last Sunday, and my God, it hit the spot after a great championship Sunday. We'll get to that maybe a little bit later on in the program. But in the meantime, and in between time, before we get Billy in body on in about nine minutes, the phone lines are open, 337-706-0111, And I honestly am intrigued to see how the Cajuns do tonight when they take on the Arkansas State Red Wolves. Arkansas State is going to be a very tough team to play out of. Like that, This is a game where you lose it, it's kind of understandable. It's not like what we've seen in the past with certain players, with certain teams, with the Cajuns, where you see a loss, it's like, eh, it's like, it sucks. No, I think this one was is would be kind of expected, to be honest with you. But I think this team with the Cajuns, the way they played the other night against Arkansas Little Rock, they played tough down the stretch. They played hard. And at the end of the day, that's all you really need. A big second half got them past Little Rock, and one of the big key cogs of that was a little unknown guy named Jordan Brown putting up 15 points and helping them get a win over UALR, who, mind you, Arkansas Little Rock is never going to be good. And I say Arkansas Little Rock because that's how I always think about them. They want to be called Little Rock a lot like how we want to call them Louisiana. Or they want We want us to be acknowledged as Louisiana. But I'm just still going to occasionally call them Arkansas Little Rock. But now I'm going to call them the Trojans. They were 7-12 after this game. That's an expected win. Arkansas State is getting better this year on the hardwood. I'm interested to see how it's all going to pan out not too far down the road whenever you're talking about the Louisiana Raging Cajuns the rest of the way. But tonight is going to be a game where I think the Cajuns have to get it done because it's going to be a tough road game because Arkansas State has gotten markedly better from what I've been paying attention to versus maybe the basketball program that maybe they were a couple years ago. So it's going to be fun to see how that contest shakes out. But the main thing that I want to get into is what the Cajuns did on National Signing Day because they finally wrapped it up in a nice little bow. 13 players, a light class, but again, it's expected to be light classes in some of these group of five schools. Even with guys transferring out, those super seniors being done, there's still a lot of guys that more likely than not will be coming back to the program in 2022. But you got a lot of talent across the state of Louisiana, and that's one of the big keys. You wind up getting some guys like Terrence Carter out of Texas. You have a really good quarterback that I think is going to be interesting to see how he pans out into the future. Because I've gotten this conversation with somebody a while back about the quarterback situation, the way things shake out amongst roster. But Zion Chris is going to be somebody you have to keep an eye on because obviously you have one of those guys you just know is going to be probably the front of mind at the quarterback position. It's no doubt has to be your guy. I I, I can just say it right now. He is going to be 
absolutely one of the key cogs in there. That's Chandler Fields. He was the first ever. He's the he was the crown jewel of last year of the first recruiting class for Billy Napier. He's been behind Levi Lewis. He spent time behind the scenes. I think there's no doubt in my mind he's going to be a top flight guy. He's going to be pretty much in the running to be the next guy at at quarterback. But obviously there's going to be a lot of other things going on with how the quarterback room shakes out. But Zion Chris is going to be somebody to keep an eye on in the not-too-distant future. Another one that I'm going to be interested to see how it all works out has to be some of the offensive linemen they've grabbed because they've grabbed some big cats, Trent Murphy out of Opelousas and Caden Moreau out of Pineville. Those two alone, again, this is something that I'm noticing with this 13-man class. It's very much a Louisiana flavor. There's a couple guys from Texas, but we're seeing more and more this team build from within the state of Louisiana. And that's a great thing. Because if you can, as Coach Ogeron would always say, build a fence. You build a fence around the state of Louisiana because, let's admit it, Louisiana's got some phenomenal talent. Texas has some great talent because, like, you've got an entire state the size of Texas and how much they care about high school football. There's no doubt you can get some really good blue-chip talent. It doesn't have to be all these four-star recruits or five-star recruits that may or may not pan out. This is was a huge win for the Cajuns. Yes, it, in terms of the 24-7 rankings, which probably don't sit all that well on the whole, but at the end of the day, what can you say about the way you know the rankings pan out for the Louisiana Rage Cajuns? I mean, they were a team under Billy Napier that were towards the top on a consistent basis. And according to 24-7 Sports right now, as the National Sunday wrapped up, they are currently ranked sixth behind South Al, Georgia State, App State, Coastal Carolina, and Arkansas State. And going back to the team in Jonesboro, I think that's going to be an interesting kind of case study to see how they do in 2022, year two under Butch Jones, and you start to rebuild your group. Coastal Carolina, how can they bounce back from a year where, admittedly, it was down to a certain level? Georgia State, can they kind of crack the glass ceiling? South Alabama, can they become consistent instead of inconsistently consistent? It's a real question. But the Cajuns, number six, and I think it's the fact that they did not have amount of numbers. Because sometimes when you look at these rankings, you're looking at a mixture of numbers and what your overall average is. And if you have any kind of three stars or four stars, these big names that jump out at you. For instance, Arkansas State literally has 17 out of their 18 commits as three stars. Coastal, 16 of their 19. Cajuns have eight of their 12. It's a, still a really good ratio, but it's not the numbers that's going to be, say, next season. Because I think once you get past this whole COVID year stuff and you get to see those extra years added on and those players move on, I think the conversation is going to be fixed to where now you know that's where we're going to be. You know that's how this whole story is going in. 
with the Cajuns being more towards the top because they're going to start recruiting more towards the state of Louisiana, and they're going to be focusing more in on some of those big names. Don't forget, Mike Desmond is a tireless recruiter. Yes, Billy Napier got a lot of big names off the board for this program, and hell, he did a pretty decent job getting Trevor Achan from Florida, or from Louisiana to go to Florida over Clemson, which was a huge hit, which was a huge hit for him. Now, if he would have gone to the Cajuns, it would have been very interesting to see how that goes. But I think this team didn't need this to be a home run type of recruiting class because, again, you lost some players, some, some big names, but you were able to retain a lot as well to come back for one more year. And you're not having to worry as much about kind of rebuilding the proverbial cupboard. It's the same thing with the coaching staff. Yes, you lost a lot of key cogs. But I think as long as you keep a couple of those machines in place, I think you have a really, really, really good shot at being an 8-9 win team at the most 10. Do I think they get to 11-1 and and win a Sunbelt Championship again? I don't necessarily think so. I think it's time. Like This is a year where you're going to base your expectations right here, right now, off of what you're seeing. And what I'm seeing is 8-4, and four, nine and three and again it's february way too early to talk about the next season but i think eight and four nine and three is kind of the early expectations obviously once the season starts and you start to like see how it all pans out there's a transfer out there that could be huge for the cajuns and probably going to take that starting quarterback spot from taylor fields it's an entirely different conversation that said i think that the cajuns can be an eight nine win team and 10 is definitely still a possibility. It's all about how this team kind of gels together over the next several months. But we go out to the 103.7 game hotline real quick before we get Billy Embody on the program. And right now we go over to the 103.7 game hotline. Hello, you're on Under the Dome. Hello. Okay. Going to go ahead and let that let that one go. Wasn't ready. Was not ready to get the call up. So we're going to go ahead and take a quick time out on that note. And when we come back, we're going to go ahead and get into the conversation with about LSU's recruiting, some of the successes they had, and especially on the transfer portal. It's been impressive. So we'll talk with Billy and Body of On3 Sports next, right here on 103.7 The Game and 1037thegame.com. Back after this. Most sports talk radio shows go up to 10 on the amp, but under the dome with CD goes one higher. Why don't you just make 10 louder and make 10 be the top number and make that a little louder? These go to 11. Now back to the show that brings the heat on Acadiana Sports Station, 1037 The Game. Welcome back to Under the Dome with CD right here on 103.7 The Game and 103.7thegame.com. Hopefully you're having a great Saturday and, of course, coming to you live from the 103.7 The Game studios. And we are ready to get our guy aboard the 103.7 The Game hotline. And I made sure to put this in my notes in bold, all caps, to make sure I don't screw it up. But he is a recruiting analyst. For on3sports.com, after all these years of working for another 
syndicate. Now he's part of On3Sports.com, and that is our guy, Billy Embody. Billy, first off, congrats on the new gig, man, and how you doing? I'm doing well, man. Thanks a lot for having me. I appreciate you coming on as per the use. And first off, you know, this LSU recruiting class, it's a little interesting. A lot of the guys already were kind of, in my mind, locked in. Guys like Walker Howard, Will Campbell, I, and the list can kind of go on and on. But when you just see the way this class turned out, especially for Brian Kelly, when it was all said and done, the dust is cleared. What are your overall thoughts on the recruiting class? Yeah, it's a good class. I think it addressed a lot of needs really well. Um, you know, I think you're you're going to have that that question if you're an LSU fan of, oh man, you know, they missed on the in-state guys like Cervante Citizen and Jacoby Matthews. But at the same token, they came away with the number one linebacker in the country in Harold Perkins, who grew up an LSU fan in New Orleans. And then they went out and got a really intriguing corner in Jalen Davis Robinson, who's got elite speed. He's got some tools. Uh, he's still raw to the position, but he's got to develop a little bit more. And they filled some needs with that. And now they have spots available for the transfer portal to address still. So all in all, I mean, I think the class, especially the way they held it together for the most part, uh, that was really impressive to me. And, and um, you know, LSU fans with the transfers they added too should be really excited. They really should be excited. And obviously you brought the fact you missed out on a lot of key guys. And one of those was without a doubt Danny Lewis Jr., he commits to Alabama after seemingly looking to be locked in. He's out there doing dances with um, Brian Kelly the weekend before National Signing Day. Then all of a sudden, things kind of flipped. What was kind of the big like reasoning why he wanted flipping over to Alabama after seemingly being a lock to go to LSU? Yeah, I think one thing a lot of people you know thought about Danny Lewis was just you know, him being a Westgate kid and, and new Iberia has been very good to LSU and not many players have left the state uh, when they had an LSU offer out of there. But I think with Danny Lewis, you know, Alabama recruited him for a while, uh, Pete Golding before they offered and built a good relationship. Um, I think just overall, I mean, they, they probably just had the better relationship with him. Um, you know, I know LSU thought they were going to end up getting him on, uh, you know, after they got the official visit and, and they also had some relationships with Mike Denbrock and Joe Sloan and Sherman Wilson. Um, but ultimately, I, I just think for, for Danny Lewis, he, he wanted to go to Alabama, and that's that's what it came down to, quite frankly. Talk right now with our guy Billy Embody of On3Sports.com. And you just looking at – you brought up Harold Perkins. He's without a doubt one of those you-can't-miss opportunity guys. You brought the fact grew up an LSU fan and just seem to be locked in, ready to go, and him making this commitment, do you think he could be one of those impact day one guys in that linebacking core? I do. I do. I think with his athleticism and size, he's got a chance to play early and play a lot right away, um, which is what you want when you sign a player like that in his position. He's really, really fast. Uh, He was productive on both sides of the ball uh, for Cy Park this year and and last year. Um, You know, I just feel like he's – uh, somebody that if he picks up the scheme uh, is going to be in for a lot of playing time early on. And um, that's what, again, what you want. I mean, you lose Damone Clark to the draft. You bring back Micah Baskerville. You, you have some young up-and-coming linebackers. But when you add a talent like Harold Perkins, you expect him to get on the field right away and really make a push for playing time right away. And we look at what LSU did, not just the high school recruits, but I think it's the guys 
coming out of the transfer portal and landing in LSU, especially, and it was interesting to see a lot of Louisiana products make that jump over, namely, obviously, Noah Kane. You have Kyron Lacey and Makai Garner making the trip across the basin, which doesn't happen all that often. But I was intrigued to see those guys, including a Greg Brooks Jr., Joe Fusha, both coming from Arkansas, making the trip down to Baton Rouge. How impressive was what LSU has done over the last several weeks leading up to National Signing Day on the transfer portal, locking in guys that have a ton of talent? Yeah, I, I think just a lot of guys getting the opportunity to come back and play for LSU. It just meant a lot to them. You know, for whatever reason, they didn't end up there uh, coming out of high school, and, and now they get the chance to do just that. And I, I just think that speaks to the to the brand, you know, what LSU means to a lot of these kids from Louisiana. Uh, and then, you know, just kind of the opportunity they had. You know, it seems like every single one of those guys has an opportunity to really make a name and, and improve their draft stock and, and – you know, put an exclamation point on the end of their career um, by suiting up for LSU, you know, this year, next year, however many years they have neck, uh, left. And so um, I think that was the big draw. I think Brian Kelly bringing stability to the program also played a big factor. I can about imagine and talk right now with Billy and body of on three sports.com. And you bring up the stability and everything that's going on with the program over the last couple of years, where after the national championship, it's felt like there's been anything but stability with guys opting out and in the transfer portal, and Coach Ozron, everything going on with him, both on and off the field, you kind of wondered like how much of all that stuff and all that negative publicity, negative press from other college programs caused them to jump over. And once they saw Ed Ozron's out the door, they've got a guy that's going to build a strong culture and kind of fix the system from within, if you will. How much did that play a role probably in a lot of those guys making the transfer and landing back in Louisiana. Yeah, I think that that's a huge part. You know, I, I think Brian Kelly, you know, not necessarily having the reputation of an elite recruiting head coach, but really just connected with these guys on a personal level, uh, sold his plan, sold his vision for LSU. And it's something that I, I think really will stand out whenever guys pick LSU under Brian Kelly, just because, you know, he has the experience of being, you know, that winningest, you know, coach in, in college football history right now or the activist, uh, active coach uh, winning. Uh, and I, I feel like, you know, his ability to put together a good staff, let great coaches coach, um, you know, really stands out. Uh, he's not somebody that, you know, you always heard about Ed Ogeron burning up the phone lines at midnight or trying to work a flip or this or that. You know, Brian Kelly's going to let his guys do their thing, and uh, he's going to be the head coach that, you know, comes in and has, you know, key conversations with recruits and, and then lets them, you know, make their own decisions and, and go from there. Whereas, um, you know, Coach O really, I think, wanted, you know, a lot of the recruiting credit and, and uh, you know, skins on the wall. And, you know, looking at the way LSU is working the NIL stuff, I mean, we're obviously we saw Gordon McKern and he's starting to make deals. Guys like Keishon Boutte are making a ton of money. But when you think about what they're also doing, they announced yesterday they're going to embrace the custom football jerseys through an historic co-branded program with Fanatics and also Nike to where the players can get money off of that. How big is that to see that happen? And right now, like today, it feels like we're not seeing Alabamas of the world. We're not seeing the A&Ms, the Floridas of the world kind of embrace that. But we're seeing LSU do this. How big is that going to be for recruits going forward in this short term? Because obviously in the long term, all these other colleges and universities are going to have like branding deals like this. 
Yeah, I think like you mentioned, they're all going to have the branding deals for the most part. Um, but I think just one thing LSU has, and, and only a few other schools really have this, is just that fan base that'll buy up those jerseys left and right and, and you know, really invest in the players and, and get their opportunity to make money off those jerseys. I think that's what stands out, you know. Um, I was talking with Jalen Davis Robinson, and he was just saying how big the fans were uh, as far as, you know, just pursuing him and tweeting at him and letting him know he's got the support at LSU. And uh, that's something that stands out when you talk about the potential for these guys to make money off their, their jersey sales, and um, that, that'll stand out, you know, for years to come. Sidebar, if they had that back in 2019, how much money else you would have made with the Burrow Senior Day jersey? Oh, my gosh. They would have just raked it in. Exactly. <laughs> that would like, have been great like, for Joe. He would have had a nice little nest egg even before the NFL. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Got a couple more for you before I let you go. And looking at just the future of LSU and what you've seen from Brian Kelly in the first couple months, how much brighter do things seem right now, especially in the football front? I mean, a lot brighter. I mean, it just stands out in a big way. You know, the stability he's brought to the program, um, you know, 2023, I think, has the potential to be a really elite class for LSU. And, uh, again, just letting his coaches do their thing and, and, and get them into the, the best position to have a, have a great class. And the last one I got for you, I want to flip it over to basketball for a little bit. What's been going on with Will Wade's team as of late? Because it's been, it's been wild to see this team go from being a strong team headed into conference play. You're undefeated, and now you've lost five of your last six contests, and especially the way things started against Ole Miss on Tuesday night has got me a little bit concerned. Yeah, absolutely. There's concern. I think if you're if you're the team, you've got to get one under your belt and and get back to the winning ways and go from there. You know, I think just getting back on track after after all these injuries will be key. And uh, I think they've got a good chance to get the first win uh, in Nashville against Vanderbilt in the Will Wade era today. I, I think somehow they get it done. Billy, thank you so much for coming on, my man. We'll talk to you down the road. Enjoy the rest of your weekend, man. Anytime. Thanks for having me. All right, that was Billy and Buddy. Always great. I hadn't talked to him in a good while, especially since he had just kind of jumped over from the world of 24-7 to on three sports. Bengal Tiger on three is what it is. You can follow Billy and Body on Twitter, by the way, at Billy and Body. He had been on the 24-7 side for a hot minute. I'm wondering when he's going to start doing Cajun's coverage for that for that publication. I don't know. We'll, we'll see what happens from that end. But again, appreciate him coming on. We're also going to have, by the way, Shane Metlin from the D, from DNR Sports. He's also he covers James Madison University. He'll be joining the program at around 1130. Because I want to get into the conversation about James Madison University and how big that is that they're going to make the jump immediately. They're not wasting any time. And that's going to be huge, not just for football, but basketball, softball as well. I think this is going to be a really fun time to be a fan of the Sunbelt Conference. We'll have him on at 1130. But before we get to that point, because obviously it's 1047, we're going to go ahead and take a quick timeout. When we come back, I've got five picks to click for this weekend. And there is actual stakes afoot this go-round. I'll explain a little bit later. And you're listening to... 1037 The Game, Acadiana Sports Station, and also on 1037thegame.com and our free mobile app powered by Dupre Carrier Gotcha. Back after this. 
Under the Dome with CD is a show for all the degenerates out there. You make your rules and we will break them. Let's get back to the famous CD. Yeah. Who will break it all down for us. And welcome back to Under the Dome with CD right here on 1037 The Game at 1037thegame.com. Hopefully, you're having a great Louisiana Saturday morning. And I mentioned earlier, online sports betting, it's a thing. Mobile betting, you can do it now. So I'm glad that I was starting to do this back in the fall, trying to get some, some picks to click and get into the groove of it. Well, Took full advantage of every single opportunity to make money on all those sports books. Came out pretty decent to start off. Not not enough to retire, obviously, but enough to keep the the beast fed. So what I'm doing is putting down a five game parlay for five biggins, and we start off with Texas taking on Iowa State at home. I've got them covering eight and a half point favorites. They lost by nine the last time they played against the Cyclones, but this game goes to Austin. I think this gives them the edge later today. So give me the Longhorns securing the bag as the favorites. And I think this team's gotten better and they're going to be playing angry after the way the Texas Tech game went. Then we go to the Louisiana Raging Cajuns. I got them straight up at Arkansas State. They're plus 125. The spread was way too low for my liking, so I went with the money line, and I think this team is starting to find their rhythm, and I think they'll come out of Jonesboro with a very tight win, and they win straight up. Another straight-up win. I got to go towards Arkansas straight up against Mississippi State. I talked about the Razorbacks. They are a better team than anybody's giving them credit for. They are on a heater right now. They're minus 235. It's easy pick to click. It's easy money, but give me that. This Arkansas team is a lot better, so give me some money line on that one. One more straight-up money line pick, and that goes to the Milwaukee Bucks straight-up minus 245. The Trailblazers absolutely are a good team. But I think they're kind of wanting to sell off. They're making some trades, making some moves. And I think this Blazers team, this Blazers team last night lost to the Thunder. The Thunder. So it's clear to see this team is a little bit more on the downward turn. A late night action. Give me the Bucks over the Blazers tonight. Then we go to, speaking of the Thunder, they won last night. They're playing against a god-awful franchise that has broken the power of positivity that is Alvin Gentry. So I got to go. I'm hedging my bets here because if Oklahoma City loses but they cover a six-and-a-half-point spread, your boy cashes in. So give me Oklahoma City covering that plus six-and-a-half against the Sacramento Kings it's hedging my bet a little bit because I think the Thunder can win outright, but I'm not necessarily 100% sold because that Kings team can can come back to bite you. So just for the sake of argument, I'm going to go Oklahoma City covering against the Sacramento Kings. So you put that all together on a nice little parlay, 
and I wound up spending some time doing like Loonies and putting five on it. And if that cashes, the odds of that when I put these in this morning was plus 1344. Some of the other, you know, sports books, they, they fluctuate a little bit more as the day progresses, put some on just before I got live, but it's cashing at least 50 bucks right now. That $5 parlay. Again, not enough to, to hang up the microphone, hang up the headphones and retire. But guess what? It grows the bankroll, feeds the beast a little bit more. And guess what? I got more to mess around with once we get into Super Bowl weekend. And I'll just say this. The free money has been a great thing. And the best part is I'm not dealing with my money. It's all I'm playing on house money. I'm playing on playing on borrowed time. Let's just go ahead and put it that way. But hopefully you're having a great Louisiana Saturday morning. We're going to go ahead and take a quick time out. And when we come back, we're going to open up hour two with the conversation about what the heck is going on with the New Orleans Saints and the coaching search. Because apparently Eric Bieniemy is being talked to. Now, does he actually accept the gig? We'll talk about that next right here on 1037 The Game at 1037thegame.com.